many music fans have thought it might be cool to own a record store. In this episode of No Wristbands, We Drink for Free, Mark and I got the chance to sit down with Tony Asimos, the owner of Tone Deaf Records in the Portage Park neighborhood of Chicago. He gave us the lowdown on what it's like to run a local record store, including the things he loves about it, as well as the challenges that he faces. Thanks to everyone for listening, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at No Wristbands. You can also check out some great music writing we're doing over on our website, NoWristbands.com. Now get out there and buy some vinyl. Uh, hi, welcome back to the pod. My name is Mark Joyner. I'm joined, as always, with Papa Novak. Say hello, Papa. Hello. How you doing, Mark? Um, living the dream. And we are here today with Tony Asimos from Tone Deaf Records. How are you doing, Tony? Doing great. Uh, we are so happy to have you. Uh, the first question I have for you is, how's your day? It's great. All right. <laughs> I got up at 11 and I went to a record store and listened to records all day. And nice. Worked five hours. That is nice. the way to do it. It's the dream. Um, so you own a record store, you own Tone Deaf Records, which right. is at like basically Montrose and uh, Milwaukee, right? Correct. That's awesome. Yep. Uh, can you talk to us about how you got your start owning a record store? Sure. Well, I worked record stores throughout my life. Um, well, early on in my life, I should say. And then, you know, I started thinking, oh, I need to start making more money. And I got into doing IT work out in California growing up out there. And I did that for about 20 years until I just couldn't do it anymore. I just really, it was very soul sucking and just did not enjoy it at all. And through that period of time, I started thinking more and more about, you know, opening up my own record store. And as I, uh, you know, that reality became, you know, a little bit more clear when I, I just, my girlfriend at the time told me, you know, I'd come home from work every day, just totally miserable. <laughs> and, you know, and she'd be like, you know, why don't you open up a record store? You're out there collecting records all the time. And you know your stuff. And so I was like, yeah, you know what? That is a good idea. Why don't I do that? And so after a couple of years of really, you know, trying to figure it out and, and buying collections off of people, I, I made it happen, which was three years ago. Man, that's amazing. So buying collections off of people, what, how do you find them? What is that process like? Um, well, it would start out really just me going to like record swaps and garage sales and, re and estate sales and just mm -hmm. meeting folks there. And I made these little business cards that said, I buy records and just started <laughs> handing them out to random people. I'd, I'd put them up in like coffee shops. And then before I knew it, I was just getting calls and, mm -hmm. um, and I just, you know, I made connections here and there and it really helped out a lot. So when did you feel like I've, I've reached a, a super saturated point where like, I can't take any more in. I need to start sending stuff out. When and you're like, I got to open. Oh, up. the basement was just flooded with it. <laughs> <laughs> it was ridiculous. I mean, it was so bad. I, I mean, I'd go down there and I'd have to like climb over stuff to get to like the washer and dryer. And, uh. um, yeah, there was a point where I was, I, I, you know, and I didn't know how much I really needed to open up a store and I bought way too much. And, <laughs> and I still, three years later, I still have a lot of the stuff that was in the basement still down there. Um, so yeah, I'm a little oversaturated with records at this point. Uh, so when you're going through that process, are you looking for specific records or you're just like, I'll take whatever I can get? Uh, well, I mean, I've been collecting records for a long time, so I kind of knew what I wanted to do. I really wanted to open up a store that sold, you know, just kind of weirder stuff, you know, stuff you can't really get in other stores. Um, you know, anywhere between punk and metal, that's just like, you know, on the very underground DIY side of things as well as just noise and ambient. So 
I mean, that stuff's not that easy to find out in the wild anyway. So, but I wasn't going to just go and just buy anything like, you know, gym neighbors and, and singing with Mitch and stuff like that. I kind of had a, a, you know, I was curating it a little bit more towards, you know, stuff that I think people would have been interested in. There are only so many copies of Bridge Over Trouble Water. <laughs> Those still sell. <laughs> people still love Simon and Garfunkel. So somebody calls you and says, hey, I, you know, I got a collection to sell. Um, and you go out there and they got, I don't know, they got 500 records. Right. How many of those records are you likely buying? Well, what I tell people all the time, and I think a lot of times when people are wanting to sell their collection, they just want to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people, like, look, I'm, I'll take it all, but it doesn't mean it's all worth money. Mm-hmm. And so I'll go through and I'll say, hey, look, this little stack right here is what's worth money, but I'll take the rest off your hands and I'll make them an offer. And most of the time people are just like, sure, just mm-hmm. get them out of my house. Sure. Um, and most of the time it's junk, but there's like a couple of good things in there that I want. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'll take it all and then it ends up in the dollar bins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's been like your, your greatest find in that process? Um, <clears throat> well, I could tell you there's been some really, uh, very rare records I've come across. Uh, this one record that was a jazz record by this local guy and he lived in, I think Evanston or Skokie and he put out a record of him and his friends jamming in the seventies called infinite spirit music. And it's a very, very sought after rare jazz record. And I didn't really know what it was. I saw it and I was like, oh, this looks pretty cool. It's mm-hmm. private press. I'm sure this is worth money. Um, and so I bought this collection off this guy. It had a lot of really good stuff in it. And I ended up putting that up on eBay. I don't generally sell stuff online, but this was like a real high end item. Mm-hmm. And I think I sold it for like 1500 bucks to wow. a guy in Japan. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. That like, that makes so much sense to me. I feel like the Japanese are the ones who have like the real niche interest in Japanese. Oh yeah. That's totally. Awesome. Totally. And I mean, it wasn't in good shape either. It was pretty thrash. Wow. So, yeah. It's crazy, crazy. But I know I've come across a lot of cool stuff. People, you know, even now, like when the stores open, people will walk in with records that are, you know, pretty rare, mm-hmm. you know, cool stuff. And it, it amazes me what's, you know, hiding out there. <laughs> do you, do you slow play that? Like, do you have a good poker hand for that? <laughs> well, you know, the thing is that I, I don't want to rip anybody off. Mm-hmm. So like, actually, I think one of the things that sets me apart, I shouldn't say something sets me apart from other record stores, but I think one thing that I've built a reputation of being very fair and like paying, you know, a good money for mm-hmm. records that I know I'm going to turn around and sell for a little bit more. And so I have a lot of people coming in, bringing me stuff because they know they're going to get paid pretty well mm-hmm. for it. Um, you know, notoriously record stores rip people off. You bring a stack of records and they give you a few dollars and then they mm-hmm. sell them for a lot. And I or just didn't want credit wanna, yeah, or store credit. <laughs> I just didn't want to do that. Like I really want to be fair and, you know, and I believe in karma, mm-hmm. good things go right. for, you know? Yeah. So it's just, it's one of those things where it's like from the beginning, I always told myself, I was like, I don't want to be that guy that rips people off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've, I've done that, you know, I've like, I've really been very fair about that. So I think pretty much everybody recognized that you have to make some money on it, right? Absolutely. So you're not going to give them what they could get, you know, retail or whatever, Absolutely. but they just, like you said, yeah. they don't want to be ripped off. Uh, yeah. And there's been a lot of times where people bring records in and I'll, I'll make them an offer and they're like, wow, I didn't expect that much. Mm-hmm. You know? And I was like, well, dang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what what were you expecting? <laughs> <laughs> but it, no, it feels good to know that people think I'm fair mm-hmm. and you know and I also keep my prices low at the shop too just mm-hmm. so people keep coming back you know. uh how long did it take you to or how did the process go of like attracting people right you're like you know you have this record store that opens how do you get the word out <laughs> I'm still having a problem with that <laughs> that's, why, that's why he's on the pod <laughs> it's hard it's so hard like I'm so bad at, at social media too you know everyone gives me a hard time um it's been word of mouth and like the neighborhood I'm in is just, there's no foot traffic or anything. Mm-hmm. So really in the beginning, 
it was just getting the word out. Like I did a couple of podcasts like this and I, I actually had some articles written about me in like mm-hmm. block club right. and the reader yep. and that helped a lot, but you know, I've got a really loyal, you know, group of, of customers that really come back all the time, help me out, you know, help me through the pandemic. And, you know, they tell their friends and it's just, you know, it's grown slowly after three years, it's grown mm-hmm. slowly. Um, it's still a struggle though. It's like, I know I have good stuff there and it's like, how do I get people to come into the shop? You know, it's hard. Yeah, you know, speaking of those loyal fans, you had, we interviewed Hugo Reyes. I don't know. If, <laughs> yeah, Hugo's he, a great guy. Yeah, Hugo was like, yeah, Tone Deaf Records, that's the spot. Oh, uh, what a sweetheart. Yes. Big fans. Uh, so, well, here's my, here, here's yeah. my question. Hit it. Um, I, I was reading the New York Times, and <laughs> it was an article about business mm-hmm. and said record store is the business least likely to succeed, um, <laughs> lasting only two and a half years on average. So you've already yeah, gone hey, beyond that. that. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you've beaten the odds. Take um, that, New York but, Times. But, <laughs> but what are the challenges that you face, and what have you done to overcome those? Uh, well, I mean, it doesn't make that much money. Mm-hmm. Really, that's the biggest thing. And mm-hmm. so I, I had to readjust my entire life around, you know, working in IT, I made great money. Mm-hmm. And now I don't really make very much at all. But, you know, I've, you know, I changed my lifestyle around to be able to afford to own a record store. It's, it's funny, people come into the shop all the time and they're like, oh, I'm so jealous of you. I want to open a record store. The first thing I always ask is like, do you have kids? <laughs> and if they say yes, I'm like, it'll never work because uh-huh. you won't be able to afford to even feed your kids, let alone, sure. you know, put them through college and stuff. So it's, that's, I think the biggest challenge is like you, people just don't make a lot of money doing, there's a lot of overhead. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is also burnout. Like I'm actually been in the last couple, about the last month or two, I've really kind of been feeling some burnout being at the shop every day. And mm-hmm. it's hard because people come in and they want to hang out. They want to talk and they don't realize that I'm working and they just think it's fun to talk about records mm-hmm. with Tony. It know? is. <laughs> Which it is. Yeah. But, you know, every customer doing that, like when you leave, somebody else comes in and does the same thing to me. Uh-huh. And it's just like, oh, my God, it's a lot. Uh-huh. And I'm a social guy. I'm very much an extrovert. But even I hit a point where I'm just like, I can't mm-hmm. do this. I, like, I need to work. And so yeah. that's a hard, that's the hardest part right there. I yeah. Think. It's like going to a barber shop and people expect a certain amount of conversation. Yeah. I like to just stay dead silent. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, me too. You've done me your too. job. Let's I've been on the other end of that, you know? And what I always wonder is how bartenders do it. Like, they have to sit there and listen to some jackass who's, like, just gotten dumped by his girlfriend, complain for, like, a month straight, you know? And he's like, I got to work. Just yeah. shut up already. Yeah. <laughs> we got to get those p- people to go to a record store. <laughs> yeah, spread the wealth. Hey, you know that yeah. Tony guy? He'll listen to anything you say. <laughs> uh, so what in you... You know, a lot of people have ideas and very few people follow through on those ideas. So like what in <laughs> you was like, fuck, I, didn't, I need to own a record store. Like, I, I know I've been talking about it, but now this actually has to become a reality. Um, well, I mean, I think the biggest thing is I just love records. I've been collecting records pretty much my entire life. My dad had a good record collection growing up. My neighbors got me into punk and just been collecting records for a long time. And like, I love music so much. I'm just obsessed with music. And I was trying to figure out a way that I could have a job that was related to music. You know, what I was doing before had nothing to do with music. You know, it's like I was working with people that thought American Idol was cool. And I was like, oh, I got to get out of this, cool. you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I like, you know, that was a big part of it. It's just like, ah, I really want to be involved in music in some mm-hmm. way or another. And like, I know records, like I've been collecting records and I know music really well. And it's, it was really in my mind, I thought, you know, it'd be really cool to be able to just, you know, have a store that plays good music and have people come in and I can like introduce them to stuff and, have bands play and that's what I'm doing now. And mm-hmm. it's, that's really the biggest part of it, you know? 
So um, I'm going to take a step back and then I'm going to ask my next question after that, which makes sense because that's how questions work. But uh, what's your earliest memory of being in a record store? Um, well, I mean, I, I grew up in the Bay Area and so Tower Records was the king out there. Um, but actually I actually have a funny story. The, at the first tower, time I went to Tower Records, I went um, with my dad or with my mom and I really wanted the Kiss Alive 2 record. The one with Gene Simmons, you know, with the blood on it. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah, my neighbor was really in the metal. And I was like, oh, man, I want that record. And I went with my mom. And she was like, nope, uh-huh. I'm not buying you this record. And she made me buy an Eagles record. <laughs> I was so bummed out. And I came home and I showed my dad. And my dad's like, nope, we're going back to the store. And we're getting you that Kiss Oh, thank record. you, Dan. And I was like, that to me was such. And I still have that copy of Kiss, too. And to me, that was just like a really defining moment of like collecting records. I was like, wow, yeah, this is cool. I pissed my mom off already with my first yes. record <laughs> yes. yeah, mission accomplished yeah well done. that continued for a long time you know pissing off my parents with music <laughs> i wish i could see the same but my dad was always like so cool about everything <laughs> um so being out in san francisco or the bay area i don't know if it was san francisco or oakland or whatever but the bay area are it, going to tower records probably isn't like that cool especially in the punk scene is there a local record shop there that was like really impactful for you well actually to actually tower records was really cool mm-hmm. just to let you know right. it was actually tower records was a really good record store they had a really good punk section they just like but from what you're saying i get um there was a couple of record stores i used to go to it's one called cf cfy i think it was called it was this really small record store run by uh this local punk band in paul walto and it was just tucked in the back of a warehouse like you had to really know where you were going mm-hmm. to get it and i just used to love going there and just talking to those guys and they they would hand me you know records like oh you have to listen to this misfits record and <laughs> and that's how i got into a lot of it and then mm-hmm. epicenter was this uh punk store it was a non-profit punk store put together by maximum rock and roll oh wow back in san francisco probably in the late 80s early 90s i was going there when i was a teenager um, and they had all sorts of good stuff there. And so that was really like, those are the stores I think about where it's like, well, if mm-hmm. they can do it. I could have totally done it too. Sure. And I, I modeled my store in around old school record stores, old punk stores, you know, just like kind of put together haphazardly DIY <laughs> style and just, you know, just trying to sell records, not really worried about the aesthetics as much as I am about mm-hmm. like just people having a good time, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, was there like a, a gateway band that's like, yeah, music's gonna be my thing. Was it? Is it Kiss? <laughs> yeah. It was the Misfits. Yeah, the Misfits. Well, as far as like punk stuff goes, they were the first band that really blew my mind because they were so scary looking, mm-hmm. and their music sounded scary. And this is like pre-internet, so like I didn't really know much about them. Sure. Like, they're goofy now in my eyes, you know. But back then, it was just like, wow, they're so scary looking, and they sing about like horror movies, and they have blood on their yeah. face and devil locks. And so like when I was 12 years old and I was, you know, getting into skating and stuff. I was like, yeah, the misfits, mm-hmm. that's where it's at. So they, I, I mean, I still listen to them now and I'm just like, they sound cool. Oh, for sure. Are you yeah. like an only Glenn Danzig person or do you listen to the offshoots too? Uh, I don't, I don't even, I haven't even listened. They don't to even anything. exist. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it all, it all ended when, uh, when the misfits broke up and Sam Hain started. And that was, that's where it, it ended for me, you know? Uh, well, respect to you. Um, <laughs> so, your priorities are changing around. So what does success look like for you uh, with this record store? That's a good question. You know, I I don't know, about six months ago, a year ago, I was really getting the idea that I wanted to start some other ventures and, um, you know, maybe even a coffee shop or just like a bar or something. Um, and, you know, I was getting 
I don't know. I get, I get a little anxious and, and when things are just kind of moving around, you know, auto on autopilot and, and it's not that exciting, mm-hmm. I really want to do other stuff. And, um, but I managed to talk myself out of that. And I just think that at this point, I really want to make the store as good as I possibly can. So what I'm thinking about doing is actually revamping the whole website, making it more interactive so people can go on there. They can listen to the songs of the records I'm selling, discover new music that way. Um, I want to ramp up my social media stuff, which I'm terrible at. So I'm thinking of hiring somebody for that. But just trying to make it, uh, there, there was a couple of record stores back in San Francisco. One was called Aquarius. That was this really good record store. Went out of business a few years ago. But they were known for having really weird stuff. And they would have a newsletter that was just, you know, 30 mm-hmm. pages long. And it had all this cool stuff. And you could listen yeah. to it. And it had descriptions. And That's I learned awesome. so much about that, mm-hmm. about like different bands through that one record store. And I was like, I would love to do that. I think it'd yeah. be so cool. I mean, I don't have the resources right now. It's a lot of work, but you mm-hmm. know, I'm slowly working my way up. I'm, you know, I'm gonna redo the website. Um, you know, I'm gonna make the newsletter better. I'm just, you know, try and do as much as I can to just get people interested in stuff that they've never yeah, heard before. Exactly. There, know? there is so much music out there that you know, even if you're a serious, serious music fan you still need to have those people that you can go to that can, can kind of direct you. Like, have you heard this? You know, right, you got to listen right. to this, that sort of thing. And so if you can find those trusted sources, you know, yeah. that's an awesome thing. So if you, know, you can be that for your group of people yeah. that, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. And that's the idea. I mean, I used to discover a lot of music just by going to record stores. Mm-hmm. You know, the internet's yeah. changed a lot of things. Like you can discover anything nowadays, but it's more fun to just go to a store and talk to somebody. And, you know, like today I actually had one of my regulars in there and I had this record on that I knew he would like. I put it on because I knew he would uh-huh. like it. And he was digging through and he's like, dude, what is this? Uh-huh. And I was like, it's girls in synthesis. You've never heard of them before. They're from the UK. He's like, put it in my pile. (laughs) And it just makes me so happy. And I was like, I ordered a bunch of these records because it's so good. And I knew people would like it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, put it on when certain customers come in. Because, you know, I was like, I want him to listen to some new stuff, you know? Right. It's like that scene right out of... um Oh God. High fidelity. Yep. Right? I will now sell three copies of the beta band. I think about that all the time. <laughs> I, I do that. You know, it's like I, there are records that are just perfect record store records mm-hmm. that just sell whenever I put them on and mm-hmm. people are just like, Whoa, what is that? You know, and it's cool. That's how I got into it. You know? Yeah. Uh, we were, uh, we interviewed, I don't want to name drop, but we interviewed Bob Nastanovich before. And he was talking to us about record stores when he was growing up and like how there was this barrier of entry, like, Oh, am I cool enough to have this thing? So it's like awesome to have somebody who's not going to judge you in that regard. So right, kudos right, to you right. on that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. For yeah. sure. So I know you've uh, you've had some some uh, bands play at your store. Yeah. Um, is yeah. that something that's ongoing? And, and yes. how has that worked out? Has it been a good thing? It's is been it, a great is thing. Is it a hassle? Uh, Sorry, I had to get a drink. Um, uh-huh. No, it's been fantastic. I love that. That was actually one of the things I really wanted to make sure happened at the store. So when I was actually looking at spaces, I wanted to make sure that there was enough space to have bands play. There weren't as many neighbors to the piss off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I actually was lucky to find a space that doesn't have anybody above me. It's like a one-story building. And so um, it's been great. I've had so many good bands play there. And I, you know, there's a lot of bands that reach out to me that want to play that I'm just like, "Mm." it's a lot of bad bands out there, Mm -hmm. but there are a lot of good bands too. And so I curate it towards the taste, my taste. Exactly. Yeah. um, And it's been so much fun. It's, you know, it's just basically like, bands are playing in my living room. It's like a party. And, you know, I always get like coolers of right. beer and everyone comes in and it's always free and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It sounds like fun. So yeah, I mean, I'm actually, the shop's booked until about 
end of October at this Whoa. point. Wow. Yeah. And so uh, how do you do all that? Like they email you and you're like, yep. cool, you stock or they come in in person? Pretty much. In the beginning, I was looking for bands and then word got out that I do shows. And so mm-hmm. I had a lot of bands reaching out to me. So I haven't had to, I really haven't had to ask anybody recently. Probably in the last like six months, it's all been bands that have just been like, hey, I've had a couple bands coming through town that wanted to play that were actually on tour and that were big, you know. We had Ducks Limited, who are a really good oh, yeah. indie pop band yeah, yeah, play there. Like We've that. had Sweeping Promises play there. Um, Mako Sika's playing there uh, in a couple of weeks, and they're a fantastic Chicago band. Canal Arial is a fantastic hardcore band from Chicago they're playing. These are all just people that have come into the shop and been like, hey, we want to play here. Mm-hmm. We went to this last show. We saw it. You know, right. and it was, It's been just sort of spreading out that way. It's great. Do you I, worry that those hardcore bands are going to trash your, your Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> hardcore kids are nice nowadays. <laughs> yeah, that's disappointing. It <laughs> has changed a lot. Yeah. How, how does someone who, who wants to go to these shows find out about uh, you you know, things what's on my website on? and or our website, I should say. And uh, I've got a list of all of the shows uh-huh. coming up on the front page there. Okay. And, uh, Instagram. I do a lot of Instagram okay. posts about and, stuff. So. Right. What is your website? ToneDefRexRecs.com. Nice. Uh, how did you come up with the name? <laughs> it's kind of funny. I was with a friend of mine, um, and we were drinking, uh, and he, and you know, this was before the store opened, and I was like, man, I don't, you know, I don't really know what to do for a name, and he's like, dude, he's kind of a, he's, I'm, I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk shit about he's him. He's a dude. He's a dude. Very much a dude. And he's like, dude. He's like, how about Tone Deaf Rex? Get it? Your name's Tony. Tone Deaf. And I was like, oh my god, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and then I couldn't Fast forward think. To like 10 beers yeah, later. exactly. Fast forward like right before I'm about to you know sign a lease. I was like, I really need a name. And I was like, well, Tone Deaf Rex isn't that bad. It's actually pretty good because uh-huh. you know it's like I listen to weird music and I'm tone deaf. Blah blah blah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a solid name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, shout out to the bro. Well yeah. done, sir. Yep. Um, so you, I imagine you, you're dealing with with labels and stuff to get certain stuff in. It's not just you getting private collections, right? Uh, what are those conversations like? Like, how does let's talk inside baseball? You know, like, <laughs> what's the process like of, of acquiring new music? Like, how do you determine how much you get? Yeah, and all that good stuff. That's a it's hard. You know, it's a there's a lot of record stores that won't deal with new stuff because it's just such a hassle. Um, but I love there's so much good music coming out all the time mm-hmm. and they're reissuing so much good stuff that I just have to have that stuff mm-hmm. in my store. So a lot of it's based on my tastes. A lot of it's based on what I've heard my customers say of like, hey, have you heard this band? They're really good. And I'll be like, all right, I'll give it a shot. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of names out there that you know are going to sell. And so I just really take, you know, I just go through. I have a bunch of distros I go through and a bunch of labels I deal with and a lot of times I'll just order one or two of something mm-hmm. and just give it a shot. And if it sells good, I'll order a few more, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, I don't, I don't have a lot of money, so I can't be ordering 50 and 60 copies of things, <laughs> right. you know? Uh, not yet. Um, <laughs> so do you have a label that you, you're like, uh, anytime I have to deal with them, it's always like a very pleasant experience. Oh yeah. There's a lot of labels like, well, drag city is great. Drag city is one of my favorite labels just cause they're the nicest folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bloodshot was the same way, except they're not around anymore. Right. They were, they were great. So like a lot of the local labels I deal with, um, trouble in minds and other local label, actually bill from trouble in mind works at the shop. Uh, and they're probably one of the best labels out there right now. Um, so, I mean, these places want to sell records, so they're going to be nice to me. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Funny how that works. Yeah. Right. Um, so you, you recently got involved or you are currently involved with record store day. Uh, how did that process work? Do you have to like apply for that? Do they reach yeah, out to you? you actually have to be, uh, what do they call it? It's, you have to be, um, basically it's sort of like a contract. Um, 
you have to uh, you have to fill out this application and make sure that you're not going to you know break any of their rules, and then they tell you, okay, yes, you can do it. So you're given an official stamp that you can do it, and then you can start ordering stuff for mm-hmm. that. Um, they're very strict about what you can and cannot do, um, and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing with Record Store Day, and I don't want to talk too much shit, but I kind of feel uh, I'm I, I'm I, I have a love hate relationship with it. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, as a record store owner, it's a lot of fucking work. A lot of work uh, just to have half an hour of insanity for one day, uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Are you feeling like you get a lift? I mean, like, obviously you get a lift that day, but are you seeing those people who come in? Are they coming back? Or are they just like, oh, I'm here just to find, you know, this Lou Reed record that yeah. I know you have? You know, there, there's two different camps there. There's the people that line up and a lot of them are my regular customers right, and they're great. Right. They line up because they want to get that limited edition release and that's fine. But the people that I really like are the ones that come later who have decided that they're going to go record shopping because it's record store day and they just come Mm -hmm. in and they shop and they buy stuff and they're just like happy record store day. They probably wouldn't have come in if it wasn't record store day. And so that part's really cool. And so it does help. It brings people in. Um, The thing that's record store day though, I mean, it started what, like 13, 14 years ago. And the whole idea of it was to bring people into record stores because people weren't going into record stores. And bring attention to it. Yeah. But now people are coming to record stores. Mm-hmm. So it's now actually, I kind of, I call it record label day because I think these labels are starting to make a lot of money off of these limited releases and that's become more of the focus than it has on the record stores. Mm-hmm. And that's too bad. You know, I think, I think they could do a better job in, in, in highlighting the record stores. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with you, especially like if you're going to buy something that sure it's being re-released, but it's like, I'll just, I'm just going to throw a name out there. Lou Reed, right? Like yeah. I love Lou Reed. I will go and buy pretty much any reissue that comes out for record store day. But then it's like, you walk out and it's like $40, $40 for this. Like, <laughs> That's actually on the cheap end. Yeah. And you're like, how'd this happen? I'm like, I love, Luke I doesn't know. need the money. He's dead. <laughs> uh, it's really crazy. And you know, I actually, I t- I'm friends with a lot of other record store owners and we all talk the same way. Mm-hmm. And I look at it as my customers like it. They want to do this. So I continue to do it. Mm-hmm. And I do more for them than to actually make money. The end of the day, I might make a few more dollars, but it's not really worth all the time and energy. Sure. You know? So we we've interviewed Katie Tutton from from uh, the Hideout and uh-huh. about like you know civil uh, mm-hmm. like Chicago uh-huh. Independent Venue League. Uh-huh. Is there like a uh, Chicago Independent Records League? <laughs> I wish I actually want to put together um, like a a bar night with all the record store yeah. owners. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. I really need to get off my ass and do that. But I know them all and they all know each other. And they're, I mean, every record store owner that I know in this city is a wonderful person. There's so many good record stores and they're all run by really great people. Um, yeah, I'll just say that. I love hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's not like, a, is it feel like competitive or does it feel like people lifting each other up? No, we actually, today I was uh, texting uh, my friends that run Bucket of Blood asking them a couple of questions about things. And they're like, Oh yeah, I was going to ask you the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, we're constantly like, you know, comparing sure. notes and, and helping each other out. And it's, uh, it's, it's good, you know, mm-hmm. very supportive scene, very supportive. Um, we're going to pivot to a really happy topic now. Uh, <laughs> COVID oh, yeah. talk us through how you, you survived that survive sounds so intense. I mean, you did, but like how you navigate those waters. Yeah. It was interesting because I'm, the store was only eight months old when COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And so like, I was just like, Oh shit, what the hell's going on? I'm going to have to close my store. And a good friend of mine, like when everything was shutting down, my buddy Jay, um, he said, Hey, why don't you do a delivery service? 
You know, people can buy stuff online, you can deliver for free. And I was like, you know, that's a really good idea. At the time, we didn't know this was going to last as long as it did. Remember, right, everyone's right. like, oh, it's going to be two weeks long. And then we'll exactly. Back, you know? <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, sure, I can do deliveries for a couple of weeks. But it, it turned out to be really, it, I mean, it really saved my ass because, um, you know, people were, were ordering stuff online. Now, a lot of people stuck at home wanted mm-hmm. they wanted records they sure. were bored with the stuff that they'd been listening to for the last couple weeks so i would actually hop on my bike i would get, i would show up to the shop i'd have all these orders i would pull them and i'd hop on my bike and ride around the city for like five hours yeah. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> it was great and you know back then there wasn't any cars yeah, on the road nobody was out there yeah so sure. i had the whole place to myself it was great i was just cruising around delivering records you know and I actually got to see people. I got to talk to people at their sure. front door and it was like, wow, this is cool. Like I've got it made. I don't have to be stuck at do, home. Do you feel like that created some customers for you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and Block Club wrote about it and read, uh, uh, the reader wrote about it. And mm-hmm. so I started getting more customers. Mm-hmm. So I started getting customers that are like, you know, Rogers Park mm-hmm. and Hyde Park, places that like, you know, people I didn't even know yeah. I, I People existed. that are a long bike ride from you. <laughs> yeah, Hyde Park. <laughs> I did Hyde Park once. It was just insane. You add that in there, you're like, ah, it should be like an extra five, ten dollars. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah and it, it, that really helped me out a lot. Um, and then, you know, as things started opening up again, people were just tired of being at home. So I got a lot of people, I did appointments, people would come in, mm-hmm. hang out for an hour, dig, had a good time. They're mm-hmm. like, ah, it's cool. I haven't been out of my house in like a year, you know? So yeah, that had to have helped you feel a little bit more sane during all this. Like oh, you're still getting in absolutely. touch with your community. Well, that, and also I just didn't have to be stuck at home. I'm not a homebody at all. I, I, I need to get out. Mm-hmm. And so being able to go to the shop even when it wasn't open and just be around records and, you know, people walking by, it was like, this is a lifesaver, total lifesaver, you know? And so it was huge. Um, but yeah, and it, it was good for the community. I think a lot of people, you know, what I really liked was a lot of people in the community were like, we don't want to see you shut down. So we're going to make orders, you know, it was almost like pity buys, but at the same time it was like, you know, <laughs> they were helping me out. And, uh, I'll, and I'll it, take and, it. Yeah, like, I know what you're doing, but I'll take it. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah, here's your records anyway. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that it was it was an interesting time. It really was. Uh, yeah, I, I can only imagine. Kudos to you for surviving it. That's thank like, you. I Thank can't you. Yeah. even fathom that. But you know what? You got really fit from riding a bike all over creation. <laughs> yeah. So more power to you. I was kind of winging it through the whole thing, though. It's like it was just one of those things where it's like I never knew what the next day was going to be because it's like is stuff going to be open? Is it going to be closed? Like who knows? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the science is always changing. Uh, <laughs> right. So. Do you ever, I, it sounds like the answer is yes. I already know the answer, but I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. You, you accept independent releases from people. They don't have to be stuff on a label. So oh, like absolutely. a band come in and be like, Hey, will you sell my record? What is that process like? Oh, just come in and sell me some records. <laughs> a lot of times I do consignment just cause I don't, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of bands don't have any following. And so, you know, I'll be like, yeah, sure. We can put it on the shelf. And then if it sells, I'll give you a call and give sure. you some money. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some bands that I surprisingly, I didn't know who they were and, they were big, they were popular and they'd sold all their records and that was cool. Um, but yeah, I like, I like to support local bands. Definitely like to support local and local labels. And so, I mean, having the shows like 90% of the shows that we have are local bands. Right. Um, you know, and I do a record of the day and I try and focus on a lot of local bands just to, you know, give them some, mm-hmm. some extra money, you know? So, uh, so why, why, why do that? I mean, like I understand why one would do it, but why don't you tell us why it's important for you to support local bands? I think Chicago's got an amazing scene. I mean, there's so much good music here. Um, and, you know, I go see bands, like I'll go to The Bottle or go to Sleeping Village and see these local bands play to like 12 people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how are, how does this right. band not totally huge or not like pulling anybody? And, and so it's a lot of it's just trying to, 
you know, support them. A lot of them are friends of mine too, you know. Thing with owning a record store is you make a lot of friends. Right. <laughs> you know, bands want to yeah. come and hang out, you know. And so it's like I've made a lot of friends through the store that mm-hmm. I wanted to support, you know. Yeah. That's part of the reason we're doing this. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> um so was it always like you're always like, yes, I, I want to do punk and metal, or you're like you kind of like happened upon that. You thought like, you know, I don't really know. Like there are places, but I know mine could be better than those. Like how yeah. did that process work? I mean, I think, you know, I look back at those stores I was telling you about before, like Epicenter and CFY mm-hmm. records. And those were all stores that only sold, you know, specific types of music, you know, underground music. So I always wanted to do that. Um, reality of it is, and other record store owners know this is like, you can't run a store just selling one genre of music. Mm-hmm. So I do have to sell, you know, major label stuff. I try to stay away from stuff I really can't stand. <laughs> but, you know, there are some bands out. I mean, there's a lot of bands out there on major labels that are great, you know, and so I sell that stuff. But I really wanted to focus on thing like, you know, there's a lot of good stores that, you know, there's a great store in Chicago that sells metal. There's a great store that sells like a lot of garage and punk. And I wanted to aim my store more towards like the weirder stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like the noise, the electronic music, the ambient stuff, the dub music. Um, there's so many different things. There's so much music out there that, you know, mm-hmm. could fit those descriptions, you know. Were you afraid you were like pigeonholing yourself by going to like such an extreme or were you like, yeah, no, there's an appetite for this? Well, there is an appetite for it. I think I really did a good job of also st- you know, carrying everything else. Like I don't I do do specifically a lot of, you know, experimental music, but I also sell, you know, hip hop and I sell like a lot of other stuff that is popular right now. Um, but I try to curate it in a way so it's not like just garbage, you know, <laughs> but we yeah. thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are like in every genre of music, there's an underground scene, mm-hmm. you know, that's a great point. And so like, I try to do that instead of it's right, just being like, right. Oh, the only hip hop I'm going to carry is going to be like, you know, childish Gambino and public enemy, which are great. But I also try and carry a lot of the underground stuff of that, too. Mm-hmm. Problem is, it's hard to know it all. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just a lot of knowledge, and I don't have it all, so it's a lot of work. Yeah, so if you don't, if that's not in your wheelhouse, how are you finding out about that? Like, you're doing your own research. Do you tap into, like, what your customers say? Like, how do you, how do you build that knowledge? A lot of that. Um, I just also tap into my friends mm-hmm. who like that kind of stuff and be like, what should I order? Mm-hmm. So I've got a good friend of mine who works at the shop every once in a while who loves hip-hop. I got another one that loves soul music and, you know, I know a lot about soul, but not really deep. And so those guys, like, they'll come and they'll make lists for me of things I should order okay. and I order them and it works and it's great. Mm-hmm. It's a good friend. Good friend <laughs> yeah. I give them world. records. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I knew the bartering was going to come up. It does. It helps. Now, do you have a, a lot of customers that are like, hey, Tony, I'm, I'm looking for this record. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, w- w- if you find it, call me. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I do. And I, I mean, I do a lot of special orders for people, too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty cool that people still do that. They'll come in and they'll be mm-hmm. like, hey, I want this record. Can you order it for me? And I was like, you know, you could just order this yourself <laughs> on the internet. Not to <laughs> yeah. But I think a lot of them are just like, you know, one, they want to support the shop, right. which I think is great. Yeah. But they also just like, it's easy for them just to be walking by, like they're walking their dog and they'd be like, Hey, order me this record. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'll be back in a week. You know, right. And then they don't have to worry about it. You know? So th- there's an ease, you know, to that mm-hmm. convenience, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, do you ever do somebody ever like they're they're asking for a couple records and you're like oh yeah I got those in my basement I'll bring them in next I do time. that all the time <laughs> all the time all right all the time do we call it the vault yeah it's yeah. well it's you know the basement of my shop is full of records I could probably open up another store mm. it's pretty crazy and um, a lot of it is just I ran out of shelf space 
And I've been buying a lot of collections through the mm -hmm. pandemic. And so all of my friends want to get their hands in there and I won't let them. Oh, yeah. So it's okay. the only people that I allow to go down there are the, are the guys that work for me. Uh -huh. Um, and they do enough digging to do some damage there too. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> They're record nerds as well. <laughs> um, what was I going to ask? It was going to be great. So I, did it. I told you <laughs> I was going to do it. All right. Here, here, here's, yeah. here's like an inside record, record shop owner thing. Um, so, so you, you, you've got this guy that's just like wandering the store looking through stuff and he's already been there hours. There's got to be something that the record store owner says to get them out of there. Right? <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I, I've gotten to know people very well in the mm -hmm. way like when somebody walks in the door i can tell what kind of customer they're going to be okay and i'm generally right okay. now, sometimes i'm wrong but generally right i don't mind if someone's around there hanging out looking through records there's a guy that comes in almost every day he digs through the dollar bins never buys anything i think he's just bored uh -huh. but you know what he leaves me alone it's the ones that come in and just talk and i knew this was going to happen i knew it but they're the worst Oh, yeah, and they don't buy anything either. <laughs> uh, what, what kind of customers do you think we look like? <laughs> <laughs> I already know Tom. He's been in the yeah, store yeah, before. Exactly. So. But no, I think majority of them... Um, I didn't spend a lot of time there. I didn't talk too much to you other than say, do you want to be on the podcast? And I, brought, I think I bought two records. So You did. And yeah. I, you know, the thing is, I always wanted the shop to be you know, large enough to be interesting, but mm -hmm. not too big to be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And so if you're spending more than an hour digging through my shop, then there's something going wrong mm -hmm. up there. You know, it's yeah. like, there, you're, yeah. you're just wasting time. You're yeah. twiddling your thumbs because it doesn't take that long to get through the shop. It's not that big. Yeah. So, you know. and, and, and plus, I mean, if those people just want to hang out and talk music, well, they should come on like the band days or whatever. Absolutely. You know? so, yeah. Or they could just talk to each other. It will. Yeah. Talk to <laughs> yeah, each other. Leave me out of sure. it. <laughs> Which has yeah. happened before. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, good. They're off talking to each other. Uh -huh. <laughs> I don't have to deal with these guys anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, what's your favorite part about owning and running a record store? Um... I mean, I love the people. I, I mean, even though I was talking about how much it annoys me when people talk to me. Um, I, I think my favorite part, really, I love having the bands play there. Absolutely mm -hmm. love that. Uh, I think it's so cool. I've, I mean, and like I said, I had some really good bands play there. Um, and also, I mean, <clears throat> I love music. Like, I've discovered more new music with this shop than I ever would have before. And it's really fun, you know, like I said, you know, ordering new stuff and, and having, you know, all these different distributors send me info about these bands and I'll read about them and I'll order them and then I'll sit down and listen to them at the shop and I'll be like, wow, this is cool. I never would have discovered this band on my own or, you know, maybe I wouldn't have, but, um, and it's just fun. Like it's fun discovering new music because there's so much good music out there. That's been one of the most unbelievable byproducts of this. Like, I don't feel like Papa and I have like, we're not shallow when it comes to our music knowledge, but anytime we're like, what are you listening to a band? Or a person says like 10 things I've never heard of. And I'm like, mm -hmm. right. Oh boy. Okay. So if somebody yeah. asked me that question, what obscure thing would I say? <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> yeah. But I mean, part of it is like the thing that you, you know, that you love in our sort of thing. I mean, we're not talking about major label artists or anything. I mean, we're no, talking no. about things that we've discovered. Um, there, there are things that other people haven't even heard of, right. which is the cool thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, you have to have like a million stories about weird encounters you've had <laughs> buying records or just with people coming. Yeah, to would so you be yeah. so kind? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just like throw out a two. couple of them. Um, actually, I'll tell you a story, and um, this is a uh, you know. I, so we do a zine at the shop, and I write in the zine about these okay. things, and so this is in the upcoming zine that's coming out. So um, 
I am not a fan of Fleetwood Mac's Rumors at all. Don't like that record. Statement. I okay. feel like a, probably a lot of people feel that yeah. way. There, you know, and there are people that love it, mm-hmm. and they love it to death. And they always tell me, oh, Tony, you got to give it another chance. Come on, just listen to it again. My friends are like that. And I was like, all right. So this one day I decided I was going to listen to it. I had a copy of the shop. How far in did you get? Uh, well, I made it about two songs <laughs> in, and I was not into it. And a, this customer comes in with a dog, and I let dogs into the shop. Got dog treats and everything. Dog comes in, you know, it's regular. And I, I know the dog, I pet it. And he just looks at me and, and he just walks over to the corner and just takes a dump. <laughs> <laughs> and this is while Rumors is on. And I was like, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> right. It. <laughs> and, and his odor was just like, what are you talking about? I was like, eh, long story. Uh, yeah. But anyway, it was just like, that was fitting. And after that happened, I was like, I'm going to turn this off. Um, that's not really about a customer, is it? <laughs> More it's about, about me. Dog, yeah. I've had weird, I've, I mean, I have weird interactions with people that come in there and just say weird things. I had this one guy come in and he, I don't think he was mentally ill or anything. He was just bored. He was an older guy. And I have a table in the back and I got a bunch of books in it that people can read. Mm-hmm. And he just walks right in, goes straight to the table, organizes my books and then walks out and I never saw him again. So that was really <laughs> weird. You know, just Thank weird you? things like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, how about customer? How about how about people? You're going out to buy their collections. You're going out to their house. That's always a lot of fun. Um, it's a lot know. of fun. I think most of the people, or a lot of the people, I should say that I bought collections from, are really lonely, hmm. and they want to hang out and talk. This, really? Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. So yeah. like this one time, I went out to God. Where was I? I was in Summit. Have you heard of Summit? Yeah. Like oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And this guy calls me up and he's like, "Hey, come by. You know, I got a record collection I'm getting rid of." And I go there and I see, you know, I pull into this driveway and there's this, you know, trash can with fire coming out of it and a bunch of people <laughs> sitting around like hobos, hobo stuff. <laughs> good start. Good start. And I remember the guy's name, but I was like, Hey, I'm here to buy the collection. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. First, you got to hang out with us and drink some whiskey. And he's like, I don't want to sell the records just yet. So I sat down, <laughs> pours me some whiskey. I start drinking with him. This is in the afternoon, by the way. Mm-hmm. And he pulls his records out and he go one by one, starts telling me stories about every one of these Ooh, records with his friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He <laughs> had like, good sir, records. I'm not going to buy rumors. <laughs> <laughs> he had really good records. Oh. So I had to sit there and listen to him talk about, you know, uh-huh. Hendrix and the dead and all that stuff that I was like, oh. But it actually turned out to be a lot of fun. And I, I did get drunk and hung out for a couple hours. So. <laughs> There's a lot of that. And did you buy the collection? I did. Awesome. Yeah, I did buy the collection. Awesome. Um, I've had, uh, I don't know, just people want to hang out. And I like that. That's fine. You know, they, I think, and it's also hard. Like a lot of times people would just be like, oh, I want to get rid of my collection. But when I get there, they're like, this is so hard. I don't, mm-hmm. How am I going to part with this? So like I kind of ease them into it. Like, well, you know, do you listen to them anymore? No. Right. And then, you know, we kind of get friendly and I end up hanging out there a lot longer than I need to. You so know? you're a therapist. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty right. much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would assume a lot of people, it's like, oh, I'm moving and I can't bear to carry all these records There's, to that's the next place. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of times people just want to get rid of stuff mm-hmm. and I'll just be like, yeah. I'm that guy. I got a pickup truck thrown yeah. in the back. You're like, I am a trash collector. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do feel like Sanford and Son sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you have like a Holy Grail album that you're like, I have to have this album. I want to sell this year. I just want this in my collection. Um, you know, I'm trying to think. Kiss what my, Alive too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, my Holy Grail albums. I've actually managed to get a lot of them. Um, one of my Holy Grails was uh, I'm on Dual Two's Yeti, which is this really great Krautrock record. And uh, my buddy Evan got it for me uh, as a. I, I had surgery last year. 
and it was a surgery gift. Nice. And that was one of my, like the nicest things anybody's ever done for me. I was like, oh, you're the best. I love you. Um, I'm trying to think of Holy Grail stuff. You know, it's weird. Is I thought more, I thought I would be taking more stuff home that came in through collections mm -hmm. that was like stuff that I would have loved. Sure. But I realized it's like, and somebody told me this too when uh, another record store owner is like, your record store actually turns into your collection, right? Mm -hmm. So it's yeah, like, I, yes. I, want, I don't want to take all the good stuff from a collection and bring it home and just have it sit in my room mm -hmm. where the only person that sees it is me. And it doesn't get played because, you know, I'm not going right. to play all 5,000 of my records yeah. ever again. Yeah, you know? so when you get home, are you like, I can't listen to music. I need dead silence. <laughs> no, still I listen to records. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have a stack of like three or 400 records I haven't even listened to yet that I brought home. But, you know, having cool records at the shop is really, I, I take more pride in that than actually having them in my collection. Mm -hmm. So like people come in and they're like, you know, they look at the wall and they're like, oh, cool. You have a really awesome Miles Davis record that I probably would have taken home. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, I want to buy that. That's really cool. Yeah. And so that I, I feel like that's, you know, something that I, I I'm more proud of than yeah. my own personal collection. Plus you, know? you have a, a collection that turns over, you know, it, oh, absolutely. it stays fresh. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you don't get bored with it. I'm really into like the stuff I bring home with me is new stuff. Like stuff mm -hmm. that I've discovered at the shop sure. where I'm like, Oh, this is awesome. I want to have this in my collection. It's not like the rare mm -hmm. records that come through, right. you know, it's like, eh, I already heard these records before. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> I want the new stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, my, my last record store question is, how much of watching uh, High Fidelity, whether it be the TV show or the movie, are you like, yeah, I can relate to that, or is that like totally off base? Well, here's the thing with it. It's, it is somewhat relatable, but when I was telling people that I was going to open up a record store, a majority of the people that don't understand record collecting or record stores would always reference that movie. They'd be like, oh, like High Fidelity. I'd be like, no, <laughs> not like High Fidelity. This is my thing that I want to do. So I really, I, won't, I haven't seen that movie in a while. Um, the reference points are not really familiar for mm -hmm. me, but, uh, I, the parts I do remember, there are similarities for sure, you know? And so, um, I kind of feel like I'm just sort of doing what I wanted to do, mm -hmm. you know? Well, that's the way it should be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So now we're going to pivot to some Chicago. Well, I got questions. one more question. Oh yeah, um, please. So, so you, you have bands coming into play uh -huh. and anybody that you'd be like, oh, this is really who I'd love to convince to come and play at my shop. Oh God. Um, I mean, aside <clears throat> from the misfits, of course. <laughs> um, I mean, there's bands that I would love to have play at the shop would be totally ridiculous because they couldn't even fit in the shop, like stereo lab or something like that. <laughs> um, I, you know, there's some local bands that I've been kind of pushing a little bit to try and get to play. Mm -hmm. They might be a little too big for the shop. Um, but I would love to have them. There's this band Fax who I would love to have mm -hmm. play. And yep. actually they, they come to the store. They're nice guys. So I might be able to convince them. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that horse girl bands are kind of a big deal. Sure. Yeah. I would love to yeah. have them play at the shop. That's crazy. Uh, they that might've outgrown it though. You know, <laughs> at uh, the ripe old age of eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, I, I mean, there's, I don't know, there's a ton of bands I would love to play, mm -hmm. uh, that it just never would happen, you know? Well, um, shout them out here if, if you want to. We'll right. see what we can do. Uh, exactly. So we're gonna ask we'll get working on it. We're going to ask some Chicago questions now. Yeah. Uh, you, so this, feel free to add as much or as little context to these as you want. But uh, being a transplant coming from San Francisco, are you a thick or thin crust pizza fan? Oh, thick crust for sure. Whoa, did not see that coming. Yeah, okay, the thin so. crust, you know, honestly, the thin crust where they cut it, they cut the squares, I mm -hmm. can't stand that. Really? Yeah, I don't, it doesn't, because it's always really thin. There's not enough cheese on it. 
Like I want, I want the cheese. I want the like California pizza. They just pack it with cheese. It's just thick. go back you know? to California. <laughs> no, hey. hey, wait. I mean, if you put one in front of me right now, I would eat it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, where's your favorite thick place? That sounds bad. Where's your favorite place to get deep dish pizza in Chicago? Uh jeez, I don't know. Um, well, actually, I really like the Pequods over in Morton Grove, mm-hmm. and then around the corner is their uh, competitor. I think it's J- Jacks or Jakes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Those two places are great. Yeah, I love uh, Pequods. Yeah, Pequods is yeah. really good. They're they're doing it right. Yeah. Um, so aside from your record shop. Where's your favorite venue to see live music in Chicago? I, I really am in the Sleeping Village right now. Mm-hmm. I think that place just is amazing. Yeah. Um, they're the nicest folks. I've DJed there a couple of times. Um, they have the perfect setup. The bar is great. They have yeah. good drinks. It's not expensive. Right. And then they have this amazing room mm-hmm. that bands can play in, and it sounds fantastic yeah. in there. And they, they do and, a great and job. And an outdoor space. And an outdoor space. Yeah. So that's kind of my favorite spot right now. It's actually not that far from my house, too, which mm-hmm. is great. Uh, always love the bottle. Always love Hideout. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are my probably my faves. The bottle's great. Uh, it's got to be great as somebody who owns their own business because the shows start at like midnight. So you're like, ah, I can open up at midnight at noon today. <laughs> Tell you what, ever since I've op- ever since I started the the shop, I've now feel fine going to the bottle. Right before that, when I had to wake up at seven in the morning, I missed a lot of shows. You know, so mm-hmm. my my you know bef- before the pandemic, my social life and my going to shows life w- really peaked right before the pandemic because mm-hmm. I didn't have to be at home mm-hmm. until two or three in the morning. It's pretty great. But I have noticed that they're making their shows earlier now. So like 11 PM now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, they really, I think I went to a show there what last week and it was done around 10, 10 30. Oh, it was great. Nice. Yeah. My mind's blown right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I love, I, don't get me wrong. I love the bottle. It's just yeah, like, that's fantastic. I'm like, yeah, that's going to be like a Friday or Saturday night. Thank yeah. you for me. Right. Right. Um, so you are very much in the thick of the Chicago music scene. Uh, what do you think makes it unique? It's interesting. You know what? Coming from California, where the scenes are very clicky, you know, you have like, a, you know, a punk scene and like an indie rock scene, and they all are so closely knit, mm-hmm. which is good and bad. You know, like it was good in the sense that like you know, all these bands helped each other out. They would tour together. Chicago doesn't really have that. Chicago's got a ton of bands. But they're all just kind of all willy nilly, all out, like you know. There's not like this click, and it's really mm-hmm. interesting how that works. And, and like they're all nice people. I've met a lot of these bands, that, but it's just a different scene in that way. So, but it's cool because like I actually went to a show at the Bottle a couple of weeks ago where it was like two metal bands, a punk band, and an indie band, and it all kind of made sense together. Mm-hmm. It was really good. Um, there wasn't any sort of you know like. Hey, this band shouldn't be playing. That band shouldn't be playing. It was, you know, everybody kind of looked the same. <laughs> you know? So I, I really appreciate that about the scene. Um, and there's just so much good music here. There's so many good bands, uh, and there's so many venues. There's tons of places to see right. bands. I love yes. that. And and like uh, the majority of them are independent venues, which absolutely I, I, yeah. I love absolutely. Yeah. Um. So do you think it's just like luck of the draw that Chicago's like that, or versus like a coast or? What do you think contributes to it being like such an accepting place? Well, the only thing I could possibly think of is just the Midwest mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, like California, you know, even though people think it's a very laid, laid back place, living in California is not easy. It's like very, very pretentious, very clicky. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not friendly. When I moved from California to Chicago, I was just blown away at how friendly people were, how open, how welcoming. You go to a party and everyone wants to be your best friend. And it, I love that. And I kind of feel like maybe that's why it's like that right. with, with the music too, yeah. with the venues. And, and you know, I, I'm in a band and a couple of our, uh, we're playing a couple of shows and it, 
you know, it's notoriously it's hard to get shows when you're a band, but like one of the shows, you know, the, the, the promoter like reached out to us and was just like, Hey, it'd be really cool if you played. And we've only played two shows before. <laughs> um, and they're just like, we'll set the show up for you and, and, you know, we'll help you find bands. And it's like, wow, that's never happened mm-hmm. before. So what's the name of your band? What kind of music? Do you <laughs> I wasn't trying to name drop the band. So we're called Surgery Colton. We're kind of like shoegaze, psychedelic, indie rock kind of stuff. Um, we we played a show and a couple of people mentioned bands like Ride and Swerve Drive as being kind of sounding like that. Ride is what immediately came to my head. Yeah. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm yeah. definitely here for it. Yeah. So it's a very 90s sound mm-hmm. for sure. Nothing wrong. That's, that's back in vogue now. Right? Oh, yeah. It's, absolutely. It's very in style. Yeah. Um, so obviously you can't well, you, you can say your own record store, uh, but we're gonna take it out of Chicago because mm-hmm. I don't want you to have to name competitors. What is your favorite record store back in in California? Um, when you go home, like where do you have to go? Well, I mean Amoeba, love mm-hmm. Amoeba was love always Amoeba. the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're kind of a big conglomerate now, or they were actually back then. Uh, you know, a lot of the stores I used to go to back in the day aren't there anymore. Um, they're gone, I think. Uh, there's a good store in San Jose called Streetlight Records that I used to like a lot, and I think they're still there. Uh, God, but it's been so long, you know. I could tell you my favorite record store in the Midwest. Yeah, go for Ac- it. Acme Records up in in Milwaukee. If you guys have never been there not, before, I'm, it's I'm fantastic. Not. It's a great store, really great store. Awesome. Put it on the list. Yeah, yeah. far enough out that it's not a competitor. Yeah. Got yeah. it. <laughs> uh, so, what have you been listening to lately? Uh, I don't know. Let me think. <laughs> Whenever people ask me this, it's always like, I don't know. What was I listening to at the Why shop today? Um, because, you know, it's, there's always something new every day. Right. Um, well, today, I'll just tell you what I played at the shop today. Um, Bedhead has a, they reissued a bunch of Bedhead records. I haven't thought about that band in forever. Yep. On Numero. Them. Numero Group is a really great, another great Chicago label. Mm-hmm. I actually grew up with one of the, the owners of it back in California. So uh, we go way back. Wow. Small world. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Um, and so get them on the show. Good. Let's do it. Um, so the bedhead record, I listened to that girls in synthesis record to sell to my friend. Um, I listened to this very good jazz record that just got reissued from the seventies by this guy called, um, oh man, I'm going to space now. Man. See now, (laughs) this is what happens when you listen to too much music. Exactly. Um, I made it the record of the day today. Um, and then I listened to, oh, there's this really good new, uh, new record of this band called crime and passing. Uh, they're like kind of a goth, kind of goth punk band, and they're on this really good label called Feel It Records out of Philadelphia. Um, so that's really good. Oh, and the Janines, who are on Slumberland. Oh, I love Slumberland. Yeah. You're, you're talking about like uh, that record label that would put out like a newsletter. Just made me think of every Slumberland email I get. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm to listen to everything on here. There's a mm-hmm. few labels that I carry at the shop that I will buy everything of and sell at the shop, and Slumberland's one of them by far. Yeah. Well, Everything they put out is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So good. Uh, shout out to Pains of Being Pure at Heart. Yeah, they just reissued one of their records. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm waiting for. Um, I that's one of the ones I bought at your shop. It is. That's yes. right. I'm waiting yes. for uh, their second album to be really released. Oh, yeah. so yeah, yeah. Just like, come on, give it to me. All their stuff was really good. Yeah. They were a good oh, band. Huge fan. We yeah. had we've had yeah. Kip on. But yeah. Oh really? He was yeah. awesome. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Um, he loves to talk too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's good. It'd be, it'd be really, it would suck to have a podcast when people didn't like to talk. Oh yeah. yeah. No, it'd be like pulling teeth. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, we're not going to broadcast this one. Yeah. Sorry. Like, uh, <laughs> it's coming out later. Later. A couple months down the line. Yeah. Uh, so are, are we going to end with our favorite question, which is you've seen us drinking some cheap beer. Here. <laughs> yes. We're huge fans of cheap beer. Uh-huh. Uh, my go-to is usually PBR. Uh, what is your favorite cheap drink? PBR. 
Oh, I knew I liked right. you. Yeah. Yeah. It's the perfect su- you know, it's the perfect <laughs> summer beer. Yeah. When, yeah, I, huh? when I'd play a softball, I, I played on softball teams uh, for a long time. PBR was always like in my bag with my bats nice. and my balls. It was always a 12 pack of PBR and you could down a 12 pack uh-huh. and not even be drunk. It was very much a refreshing, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> way to hydrate myself. <laughs> uh, are you a fan of PBR light? Uh, actually, do they still make that? No, nah, I've only had it one time at L and L tavern. I, don't think where I, I was walking down the street before. and I saw it. They had a sign that was like, we accidentally have this, and I was like, "Well, I'm going in now." Well, you know what's good you though? Have, to. have you had the PBR coffee drink? I, it's so good. It's so good. So good. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I want to start my day with one of these. I'm like, ah, I don't know. No, no. <laughs> but, you know, my body, like my body's just like, what are you doing to me? You're giving uh-huh. me an upper and a downer at the same uh-huh. time. What is wrong with you? And it's just, it's uh-huh. kind of chaotic. <laughs> Respect. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug on your way on out? Yeah. Um, no, your podcast is pretty great. Hey, thank you so <laughs> and much. And thank you for having yeah. me. We didn't really even pay him to say that. Yeah. Yeah. So Tone Deaf Records. Yeah. Uh, at the corner, not the corner, but it's at, we'll say this address, it's 4356 43. North Milwaukee. Okay. It's, uh, it's like two storefronts south of Montrose. Yeah. Everybody should go there. Don't talk to Tony, but buy some records. <laughs> you have to buy at least three records before you're allowed to talk to him. There you go. <laughs> okay. Yes. yes. Well, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks it for having fun. me. Really, It was a lot of fun. Thanks so much for listening today. We are No Wristbands. We drink for free. Music, of course, has been provided by Merlin Wall. Please check them out on Spotify or on Bandcamp. Please also subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at No Wristbands and check out our website at NoWristbands.com.